0: Welcome to OCDQ Radio, a podcast from OCDQ Blog, Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality. OCDQ Radio is a vendor neutral podcast about data quality and its related disciplines, including data governance, master data management, and business intelligence. OCDQ Radio is produced and hosted by Jim Harris, the blogger-in-chief at Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality, OCDQblog.com. This episode of OCDQ Radio is sponsored by the IBM for Midsize Business Program, which provides mid-sized businesses with the tools, expertise, and solutions they need to become engines of a smarter planet. On this episode of OCDQ Radio, the topic will be Social Media for Midsize Businesses, which is why I am pleased to welcome a very special guest. Paul Gillen is a veteran technology journalist and a thought leader in new media. Since 2005, he has advised marketers and business executives on strategies to optimize their use of social media and online channels to reach buyers cost-effectively. He is a popular speaker who is known for his ability to simplify complex concepts using plain language, anecdotes, and humor. Paul Gillen is the author of four books about social marketing, The New Influencers, Secrets of Social Media Marketing, Social Marketing to the Business Customer, and the forthcoming book, Attack of the Customers. Paul Gillen was previously the founding editor of TechTarget and editor-in-chief of Computer World. He writes a monthly column for B2B Magazine and is an active blogger and media commentator. He has appeared as an expert commentator on CNN, PBS, Fox News, MSNBC, and other television outlets has also been quoted or interviewed for hundreds of news and radio reports in outlets such as the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, NPR, and the BBC. Paul Gillen is a Senior Research Fellow and member of the Board of Directors at the Society for New Communications Research.
1: Paul Gillen, welcome to OCDQ Radio. Pleasure to be here, Jim. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Well, we were really excited to be able to talk to you today about the topic of social media for mid-sized businesses.
0: When social media is discussed in a business context, it seems quite often the concept that comes up is social media marketing. So can you help us understand the difference between traditional marketing and social media marketing?
2: The fundamental difference between the social media marketing and traditional marketing is that social media marketing is two-way. Traditional marketing is one way. So traditional marketing, you send a message out into the field, and then you, you hope that people will respond with a desired behavior, and you try to convert that into sales. Social media is a process of continual conversation, continual back and forth. So it's a very different way to go about marketing because it is an iterative process and it's based on establishing relationships. Traditional marketing is really not about.
1: So the two-way relationship in terms of social media marketing is, like you said, very different from maybe the old school approach of press releases and advertisements that might have run in traditional media and now we're talking about leveraging Internet-based tools, social media like blogging and Twitter and Facebook and other services to engage in, in those conversations. But I think some companies mistake the fact that, oh, just because we're, we have a blog and we're using Twitter and Facebook, that we're having a conversation, but they're still just broadcasting traditional marketing messages. So is there something else that has to help people understand what that mindset shift is, that it's not just about broadcasting, but it's also about listening?
2: Well, I think you've tapped in, Jim, to the, the, the number one mistake that businesses make, and, and not just businesses, also government organizations, nonprofits make with social media, which is believing that it's just another channel. Essentially, it's a PR newswire. And that's endemic, I think, in the industry. In fact, AT Kearney, which is a very respected consulting firm, did research late in 2011. They looked at the top 50 brands on Facebook, and they concluded that, believe it was, 46 of the top 50 brands on Facebook had not responded to a single customer comment on their Facebook page for the entire year, which is really stunning when you think that large a number, 46 out of 50, are misusing Facebook for its core value. Facebook is fundamentally a conversation medium. It's about people talking with each other. And so natural tendency of people when they see something new is to apply the old metaphors to it and to try to use it the way they've used everything else. So what you've seen during the first five or six years of social media's popularity is a lot of use of these platforms as essentially the same old marketing channels. And that will change over time because we're seeing companies that are really innovating and we see more and more every year companies that are getting the idea of this two-way conversation. But it's it's a difficult skill to develop. Marketers are not taught in school or at work to converse. They are taught to deliver messages. So that's turning around a pretty big battleship, trying to convince and teach all these people the skills of uh, two-way engagement.
1: Yeah, I see that happening a lot with, with organizations of all sizes, and even individuals who are trying to establish a presence in social media, that when people actually try to engage them in conversation, either on Facebook or leaving comments on their blog or sending at replies to them on Twitter, they don't respond. And sometimes I'm wondering if it's because they're not responding because they're not paying attention, or sometimes it's because... Going back to your point, that marketers are typically taught to deliver messages, not engage in conversations. So I think some companies are like, well, should we actually respond? Are we allowed to talk to customers?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's kind of scary to think that any uh, company would, would have a problem with its employees talking to their customers. Certainly there are cases where that's appropriate in heavily regulated industries so financial services, uh, healthcare. There are good reasons why you have to limit what your employees can say to customers. But the fact is, in most industries, that's really not a problem. And the reason those conversations don't happen is because of fear or lack of understanding of the medium. A lot of it is just not understanding how to use the tools or the the appropriate protocol. On Twitter, when someone sends an at message, consider courteous to respond to that, to acknowledge that message in some way. Not everybody knows that. That's sort of part of the culture that you learn by using Twitter for a while. So a lot of this is just education and experience and the skills that will come with with repeated use. Now, one of the things
1: that might be a bit different for mid-sized companies than larger companies, I think sometimes the siloed mentality of larger companies where marketing does the broadcasting and maybe the customer service group does the communicating back and forth with the customer, that might be where they say, well, Well, we don't do the talking to the customer. Some other group does it. But in a mid-sized company, you're usually not as much siloed. So maybe the same people who are responsible for, quote-unquote, marketing are also responsible for, quote-unquote, customer service. Does that help mid-sized companies have a bit of a better advantage because usually they have the people who are wearing
2: multiple hats? I think the big advantage of mid-sized companies is the organization. They will have flatter organizations, and they tend not to have the, the luxury of a lot of layers of communication between them and the customers. The people who are developing the products are more likely to be actually out in the field talking with the customers as part of their job. And as you said, people also wear many hats. Now, I don't know a lot of people who work in both marketing and customer service capacities, but I certainly do know that there are people who, who work in both marketing and, and public relations capacities, for example. Now. PR is more of a conversation-based discipline. PR people have trained in conversations because they have to have relationships with the media. So you're more likely to see people in marketing in smaller companies who understand the back and forth, and mechanics of good conversations. Let me address one other thing you said, which is customer service, and I think that's a very important point. Research by The Economist earlier this year showed that less than 10% of businesses are letting customer service lead the social media charge. And I think that's a problem right now. Marketing got the responsibility for social media originally because it was perceived to be a a channel. And I think what we're seeing now is it is much more about customer interaction. And and the people who are most skilled at customer interaction uh, very often are the people in customer service.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes it almost sounds like an oxymoron to call it social media marketing because, going back to your earlier point, most marketing folks were not trained in college or in the earlier days of their profession to be responsible for having a conversation. What type of voice is used in that conversation? I think the other mistake that people make when they do try to respond through social media is they seem to be overly concerned about being very professional and putting a very business-speak type of voice. And there's almost an absence of any type of human voice in their attempted communication through social media.
2: Because that's how we've been taught to communicate. There's something in the media world transition going on that I think is very interesting, which is the transition from archival to continually changing information. The way the world has worked for a very long time, since Gutenberg, even before that, is that once something is published, it's essentially fixed. It's over. It can't be changed. And when you think of how we communicate information now, everything is changeable. Wikipedia is, of course, the best example of that. Wikipedia is constantly changing. Every second, you know, Wikipedia is different. And that's because information is updated, errors are corrected, background is added, links are added, whatever. These days, you you know, you sort of publish first and you correct later. There are good and bad things about that. But I think you know the way we've been trained traditionally to communicate is that once you, the message is set in stone, put in print, then there's nothing you can do about that. And today that's not the case. Today you can get a quick message out there. You can then elaborate on it, build upon it. You can add discussion. You can add background. You can correct errors. And, and it's sort of much more fluid. The whole process of publishing information is much more fluid these days. I think bloggers get that. You know, anybody who's an active blogger just knows that, that. That's how they work. I think people who don't have that background don't understand it as well. That's why I encourage you, if you're going to really understand social media, start a blog. Because that, everything that you do in blogging translates very well to the other channels that you might want to use.
1: I think some companies embrace that idea of, okay, we can start a blog, and if we don't get the blog post just right, we can edit it, and we can make some changes later. They actually like that idea. I think one of the things that scares them, though, is the edits that they might not have control over in terms of the comments that they might get or the conversations that might happen around their brand name where they don't have control over the way that that conversation is sort of assembled
2: by the community. Yes, and that can be a big problem, and in fact, the the book that I just finished that is going into production right now is all about that. It's called Attack of the Customers. It's about how uh, brands are attacked online, and it's a timely topic because we're seeing almost every week there's some sort of new attack. And this is because people are realizing that they don't have to be silent anymore, that that their voice can be known. And if they can rally others to pay attention to them, their experience can turn into a cause or into a movement. You know, one of the things about Facebook that's really interesting, Jim, is a Faustian bargain, I, I say, when companies go on Facebook. They think Facebook is a marketing channel, but they don't realize that it is a two-way conversation, that other people can also talk on their Facebook pages. So some of the most notable customer attacks have occurred because customers actually went to the Facebook page of a brand and began attacking the brand right on their branded page. And this is something that companies have never had to deal with before, but we don't typically provide a platform for people to criticize us conversation has its good and bad elements and good companies to get back to your original point I think companies that that do social media well understand that negativity is part of the game you're going to deal with some negativity and that's okay because everybody has some negative customers the important thing is how you handle that negativity how do you deal with it constructively instead of trying to shut it down or engage in shouting matches
0: you're listening to OCDQ Radio a vendor-neutral podcast about data quality and its related disciplines from the Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality Blog, produced by Jim Harris. Visit ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast to find ways to subscribe to OCDQ Radio and get links to the blog post summaries of every episode. You'll also find ways to contact me, Jim Harris, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you would like to discuss sponsorship opportunities. So be sure to visit OCDQblog.com forward slash podcast for more information about OCDQ Radio. And now back to the show. On this episode of OCDQ Radio, we are talking about social media for mid-sized businesses with our special guest, social marketing expert, Paul Gillen. Just before the break, we were discussing how to deal constructively with the inevitable negativity that will be encountered when using social media.
1: I've seen a lot of corporate blogs actually turn off comment in order to prevent themselves from having to respond to potentially negative comments because, go I guess, to an overlap to customer service, I'm usually calling the customer service line because I have a problem that I need their help in resolving. The title of your book is perfect. The attack of a customer, I think, is what people are afraid of. But the attack of a customer is also a great opportunity for a business to show that they can be responsive And they can turn a negative situation into an incredibly positive one because if I'm a customer and I'm upset with your company and I voice my opinion about it and then you resolve it, you've improved my opinion of your company
2: and it made me feel good about the fact that I'm a customer of your company. And we hear that again and again and again from the field. And I'll give you a quote that we used in the book. It's from Richard Binhammer, who's one of the, the top social media experts at Dell. And, and he, I mean, they measure this stuff very closely because they get 25,000 online mentions of Dell a day. So they are tracking this stuff very carefully. He says, 90% of the people who complain about you online can be satisfied through a contact by addressing the problem. He said 42% of the people who are raving critics can be turned into raving fans. That means they can be turned from detractors to promoters, 180 degrees, 42%. And we hear this again and again, that when people complain, one thing, the reason they're complaining is because they care. If they don't care, then they just leave. They walk away and you never see them again. When people complain about you, they're giving you a chance to keep them as customers. You should look at that as an opportunity. For another thing, mostly people just want to be heard. They don't want money. They don't want to be treated specially. They want you to fix the problem, make sure the problem doesn't happen again. There's overwhelming amounts of research that show that that's why people complain. So if you look at these complaints as opportunities, then you change your whole corporate mindset. And I think of Southwest Airlines, a wonderful example of this. If you look at Southwest Airlines' Facebook page, there are people up there bitching and moaning about Southwest Airlines every day. And Southwest Airlines not only doesn't shut them down, but it responds to their comments and it tries to set their problems right because they understand that these customers want to continue to be Southwest customers. So I think people have a tendency to over-focus on there's
1: always going to be that small percentage of trolls, of, of people who complain just to complain, and no matter what you try to do to satisfy them, they won't be satisfied, but they represent such a, a small percentage, and I agree with you that the vast majority of people who are complaining complain because they care and they they want you to resolve the situation and they want to stay with you as a customer because if they really wanted to leave, they would have just left and you never would have heard from them. But let's shift a little bit to maybe a softer side because social media marketing and, and use of social tools by customers is not all just about complaining. Sometimes it's about trying to understand a particular topic or a particular subject area because you're looking for a solution or you're afraid of asking a stupid question. You don't feel like you're informed enough as a customer. And those are sometimes the situations where I see companies make the mistake of responding too much with something that sounds like a press release or marketing material that promotes their particular product, as opposed to just talking about the concept or the the topic to help improve the customer's understanding, even if improving the customer's understanding might make the customer choose one of your competitors over you.
2: this is one of the more mind-bending aspects of social media marketing, which is the less you market in using social media, the more effective your marketing is. So look at how the landscape has changed in the last decade. We have changed from a browsing to a searching metaphor. Ten years ago, actually not that many people were using Google. Google didn't get big until about 2001. So in the last ten years, we've completely changed how we find information. So people no longer have to listen to messages. They go out and they find the information they want. They don't wait for it to come to them. Secondly, the customers have much more choice now. They can do research in the field with their friends, with experts, with bloggers. There's lots of ways to research decisions now instead of having to believe marketing materials. So as a result, what happens? People never did like marketing very much in the first place, but it had some value when there really wasn't much else that they had to work with. But now they have all these other sources of information, so they don't want marketing messages. I work with IBM in a community called Spiceworks, which is a community for about nearly 2 million IT professionals, mostly at small, mid-sized businesses. And it's very interesting, very, very active community, very engaged base. And, and acting as a representative of IBM there, I realized very early on that if I posted anything that smacked of a marketing message, I would not only be ignored, I would in some cases be attacked. The attitude toward marketing is so visceral, it's so negative in those communities that you dare not come in and start ploughing your product. Conversely, what you see is companies that send out their best people into these social channels and say, just be helpful, just help people go ahead and recommend the competitor if you have to. doesn't matter. As long as you're helpful, people will trust you. And when people trust you, they want to do business with you. And so ironically, recommending your competitors is one of the best things you can do for your trust equation. But, of course, we're taught not to do that. We're taught that that's bad. But it's actually great. So we have mid-sized businesses that are listening to us now
1: that have been hesitant to get involved in social media marketing can you give them maybe a few suggestions for how they could get started
2: effectively? Well, I'll give three companies that you should look at. I, I have no affiliation with these companies. I'm not paid by them. There is a market segment called marketing automation industry that maybe does some of the best job of social media marketing. Three companies to look at, Marketo, Eloqua, E-L-O-Q-U-A, and HubSpot. And these three companies are engaged in what I call a war of generosity, which is that they just give and give and give e-books and free seminars and great blogs and slide presentations and worksheets and all kinds of educational material. And they're absolutely killing it because in that market, credibility is everything. And they understand that the more you give, the more you get. I'll also give an example of a company, maybe my favorite case study from our book, Social Marketing to the Business Customer, was a company called Indium, which is a mid-sized company. It's about 500 people based in upstate New York, and they make a very niche product, industrial solder flux. It's used in the manufacture of printed circuit boards. Very few people in the world would ever buy this product, but the people who buy it buy it by the truckload. So there's no lists of customers because there's maybe only 2,000 people out there who would ever even buy it. So they have to get the customers to come to them, and the way they did that was through a constellation of blogs that were keyword-optimized and we're all written by their technical people, by their engineers. So people are searching for terms like pop solder flux, which does not get a lot of searches on Google. And they find, <laughs> they find this blog, right? And they find a really smart person there. There's an invitation on that page that if you have a question for our engineer, ask it here. And we'll get back to it within 48 hours. And within 48 hours, they get an answer from somebody who really knows the subject. And then the next day, the salesperson calls. And what do you think is the chance that that person, who, who maybe just had a big problem solved by Indium, what do you think is the chance that that person is going to do business with Indium? The results speak for themselves. They had a 600% increase in sales from this program in just a six-month period. The leads that they generated were outstanding because they were based upon this trust equation. And what the guy who masterminded all this named Rick Short, he's the Marcom director there, I loved his quote. He said, my job is to get engineers in touch with customers and then get the hell out of the way. And this is something that a lot of companies still don't understand, particularly in B2B markets. Your best salespeople are your technical people because they are the people who connect most directly with the needs of the customer. And so if you're doing marketing what you're really, really well, what you're doing is getting those smart people to talk to each other because that builds a trust equation and that leads to more sales.
0: Well, this has been an excellent discussion, Paul. I'd like to highlight three of your key points that you brought up. Number one, the less marketing you do, the more effective you'll be with social marketing. Number two, try to win the war of generosity. Understanding that the more you give, the more you get. And third and most important, work on the trust equation. Because if people trust you, they want to do business with you. Our topic today was social media for mid-sized businesses. And our special guest was noted author and expert in social marketing, Paul Gillen. Paul, thank you very much for taking the time to join us on OCDQ Radio.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Jim.
0: Thank you for listening to OCDQ Radio. Go to OCDQBlog.com forward slash podcast where you can find links to the blog post summaries of every episode, ways to subscribe to OCDQ Radio via iTunes and a non-iTunes RSS feed, and a link to listen to OCDQ Radio on your mobile device with Stitcher Smart Radio. And you will find ways to contact me, Jim Harris, via Twitter, LinkedIn, and email. So be sure to visit OCDQBlog.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening to OCDQ Radio, and until next time, may the data quality be with you, always.